Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Welcome to this Macro Matters edition of the Fick Focus podcast series. I'm Ira Jersey, the Chief U.S. Interest Rate Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence, the research arm of Bloomberg LP. Uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about our views following the, uh, the November Federal Reserve meeting, as well as the quarterly refunding announcement, which occurred at 8.30 a.m. Uh, before the Federal Reserve on November the 1st, 2023. Um, so first, uh, I'll... I'll talk a little bit about the the Fed and our views on the Fed. Um, given that it's it's a little bit easier to do that because the Federal Reserve didn't do anything and there was only incremental new information that came from the post-meeting press conference as well as the uh, as the statement that came out at two o'clock. Um, the Federal Reserve's uh, Chair Powell sounded a little bit more dovish uh, in our view than he had at some of the previous meetings, um, although not not crazy meaningfully. It's not like the Federal Reserve is going to uh, start to be cutting start cutting interest rates anytime soon. Um, but in, in my view, he did uh, talk a lot about the risks to what's going on in the market um, and uh, you know downplayed the possibility of another interest rate hike, but did continue to leave the door open saying th- that no decision has been made. They're taking things meeting by meeting, uh, which means obviously that the data that we get between uh, between now and the uh, uh, the December FOMC meeting will ultimately decide whether or not the Fed's going to have uh, have the need to hike interest rates anymore. Um, our view, and I think this is pretty consistent with Bloomberg Economics as well, or our friend Anna Wong, who's been on the show and will be on the show in a couple of weeks, um, uh, thinks that the Federal Reserve is probably done hiking. So the question now really becomes how long does the Federal Reserve maintain rates at these levels? Um, it's you know the Chair Powell again noted that he thought that the uh, that there would be some time that they were going to maintain rates at a restrictive uh, at these restrictive levels uh, for a long period. Um, you know there, there's a lot of doubt among market participants as to how long that is. So some people think that the Federal Reserve might be cutting interest rates as early as next March. Uh, the market is pricing some p- possibility of. Uh, of a cut by the middle of uh, of 2024. Um, our view is that the, the Federal Reserve is, is probably going to be able to keep interest rates at these levels through all of 2024 um, and then into uh, maybe early 2025. Um, and then ultimately they might have to cut interest rates very quickly. Uh, and, and the markets have reacted to some of this. So obviously uh, the market reacted meaningfully. There's been this big, uh, this big idea that term premium has been built back into the market. But in the work that we've done at uh, the Bloomberg Intelligence Interest Rate Team suggests that most of the move is really the shift in, in interest rate expectations for where, what the Federal Reserve policy rate is going to be over the next two or three years, where um, if you look at, for example, SOFR futures, uh, SOFR futures for December of 2025 moved from under 3% to f- over 4% over the course of, of June through uh, through the present period. So, so that may massive shift up in uh, in expectation for where interest rates are going to be uh, in two years time uh, had to manifest itself in the belly of the curve and the longer end of the yield curve and that's one of the big reasons why we saw this uptick but not the only one for sure 
The other issue has been the quarterly refunding announcements that we received back in uh, late July and early August, and then uh, the, the uh, announcement earlier this week as we record here on the second day of November 2023, uh, where the Treasury Department has to fund pretty large deficits as well as, um, as student loans and, uh, and has to be able to uh, refund the maturities of debt that are coming due. Uh, so the Treasury Department on Monday announced that they were going to issue somewhat less than they had said back in, uh, in, in July. They're going to only issue $776 billion of marketable debt this, uh, this month. Um, but on a net basis, it's actually not quite as much as that. Um, that is a little bit higher than what we thought, but um, but but the reason it's it's a little bit higher is because the the Treasury Department is going to be keeping a rather large cash balance. They're going to keep seven hundred and fifty billion dollars in their checking account that they have with the Federal Reserve. It's known as the Treasury General Account or TGA. Uh, you can see that every single day in the daily Treasury statement, and then it, it is on the Fed's balance sheet. So if you look at the liabilities of the Fed. Uh, Fed's balance sheet that come out on on uh, Thursday as of the prior day, uh, you will see how much the Treasury Department has in in uh, in its in its checking account. Um, because that that's so high, that means that the Treasury Department is going to have to issue more bonds than than you know we thought, but less bonds than they they thought that they would have to issue a couple of months ago. The big surprise at the 8:30 refunding announcement was uh, the fact that the Treasury Department is going to issue uh, slow down the issuance of 10-year and 20-year and 30-year debt. Um, the consensus overall was that the uh, that the Treasury Department would continue to increase the amount of longer-term debt, similar to what it did back in uh, in early August. Um, but it uh, but that didn't surprise us. We actually thought that the Treasury Department would slow down its longer end issuance. And there's a couple of reasons for this. Um, so number one, we, we thought that the Treasury Department would slow down the long end issuance, firstly because of some of the auction activity that's happened since uh, they increased the uh, the issuance of the long end. Um, and uh, the, the basically the Treasury Department is trying to uh, supply uh, enough bonds that it meets demand, but not too many bonds that it becomes difficult to uh, to issue those bonds at the, the new issue auctions. Um, so far, the auctions have been rather mixed overall, um, but, but in recent weeks, uh, you have seen some weakness in, in demand at some of the auctions. So, so I think that that's a, a one, one reason that the government has decided to issue less. The other is just interest rates. So it's not unusual for the Treasury Department to be somewhat pro-cyclical and issue more short-term debt and less long-term debt when interest rates are high. And then when interest rates are low, issue more long-term debt and term out uh, the debt. In fact, if you go back and you look at the weighted average maturity of all of the Treasury debt outstanding going back to 2011, for example, uh, you had around 50 months was the average maturity of the debt. Today, it's 72 months. So you're talking about a, a rather large increase, right? A, a, almost a two-year increase in the average maturity of the debt over that period of time. And of course, interest rates were very low back in you know the 2009 to 2015 period. Uh, and then the Treasury Department kind of leveled out uh, how much, uh, what, what its weighted average maturity was. So I think this is just another acknowledgement that interest rates are high now and to reduce the borrowing cost overall over time for, uh, for, for, the, uh, for the public 
they'll issue in shorter term debt so if interest rates are lower two or three years from now then they can just re refinance that and maybe then term out the debt when interest rates are somewhat lower um, and of course when interest rates are low is usually when you have uh, a recession or uh, weak economic growth low inflation and you wind up having a decent demand for fixed income assets and that then therefore drives people into longer term debt uh, and again, the Treasury Department can increase their debt to, um, to, to move that supply, demand, and balance. Now, that being said, I, I do want to highlight that uh, Will Hoffman, my associate, who will be on the show in just a moment, he and I published a report this past week looking at the theoretical framework of what all of this debt issuance means. So our forecast is for the government to have to issue about $1.7 trillion of debt during fiscal 2024. Um, uh, almost uh, about a third of that is going to be issued just this quarter, it looks like. Uh, and then uh, we'll probably have $2 trillion deficits, plus or minus a, a, a little bit, uh, in, 20, in fiscal 2025 and 2026. So obviously that's a large amount of debt. Uh, the the de debt continues to grow as, the, as Congress hasn't been able to figure out how to reduce deficits. A uh, significant amount of that spending growth that is causing these deficits is coming from Social Security and Medicare as baby boomers continue to retire in, in pretty high numbers and they wind up getting onto those fixed incomes and taking those uh, money from those programs. They have to be funded from somewhere and, that, and taxes just don't cut it, so therefore the government has to issue more debt. Now what does this do for the market? So in, in our view, um, the market will still be highly sensitive to the economic environment and what the policy rate ends up being. So basically the saying that if growth is very high and interest rates are very high because the Fed increases interest rates, then interest rates will go up maybe a little bit more than they would if the debt load in aggregate was lower. And conversely, if interest rates go down, let's say the Federal Reserve were to cut interest rates from where they are today to say 3%, for example, uh, in, by the end of 2025, then you'd still probably have a pretty big rally in the Treasury market. You'd get 10-year Treasury yields that would go down from uh, from four and a half, four and three-quarter percent where they are today, down toward three percent. Um, but y they might not go down again as much as they would if the debt load was a little bit lower. So one of the examples that I give is let's say that we go back to an environment like we had, say, prior to the global financial crisis, where the Federal Reserve cuts interest rates to say one percent. Um, then uh, you, and offers to keep it there for some period of time, you might get a rally in the 10-year yield uh, in, in an environment back like 2005 where 10-year yields rallied to 2%. In today's environment, because of the quantum of debt, instead of rallying to 2%, maybe they rallied to 2.25%. So again, you can still see that the economy will be the main driver of Treasury performance, but it will it might not be the, to the same uh, level as it would be otherwise. Now, unfortunately, ex ante, there's no way to exactly um, determine what that beta is and and how much the uh, the debt is going to reflect in into the treasury market. But from a theoretical framework and and the way that we're looking at it is that it is having an effect and will have an effect as. The, the level of debt continues to rise. Um, over time, as we get more information, we'll be able to determine you know, what that beta is and, and then maybe the shape of the curve and what might happen if debt burden, if the debt burden continues to climb um, as significantly as it has. But we have to unfortunately wait for the, next, uh, for the next economic cycle to play itself out before we can start to make those kind of determinations. And the primary reason for that is that typically, 
the level of debt goes up significantly when uh, the economy is really bad. So what happens is, is that debt goes up, uh, the Federal Reserve cuts interest rates, so therefore the level of yields goes down, um, and, uh, and, and so you wind up having a negative sign on the beta for debt growth compared to yields. Um, but that's not necessarily the case um, going forward, um, just because we wind up having a, uh, um, have, have such a high debt burden when growth is relatively strong and relatively good. So I've gone on for over 10 minutes uh, talking to uh, talking to myself, basically. Um, I, I hope this was useful, but I do want to bring in Will Hoffman now. And Will uh, is going to ask me a question and uh, in our interest rate intro segment. So Mr. Hoffman, please let me know. What are you interested in and what do you think our listeners would like to hear about today? Thank you for having me as always, Ira. Um, with supply and demand imbalances on the market's minds, you mentioned some auction weakness that we've seen over the past two months. Could you unpack that a bit more, as well as talk about what pro-cyclical factors may be contributing to this relative to ongoing market dynamics? Yeah, so so the, there has been, uh, you know, it, it's funny that auctions are usually not uh, general market participants, whether it's folks in the equity market or the credit markets or or commodities or news people, they don't typically look at treasury auctions very closely. Um, you know, we, we always do because we're interest rate nerds, so, um, so, so we do look at them very closely. Um, but, but now they've gone into the vernacular where people are worried about what might happen at treasury auctions and where demand might come from. So keep in mind that, that the treasury auctions uh, occur very, um, very frequently. There's monthly auctions for nearly every single coupon. Uh, tips auctions are a little bit uh, are in a little bit of a different cycle, um, but but treasury auctions uh, when they occur and I think to, to your question uh, will is uh, it, it's hard to gauge exactly what demand will be at any given time in in auctions. So um, and and this is one of the reasons why it's it's a little bit it's a little bit like a random walk. Um, so when the Treasury Department uh, announces that it's going to issue issue debt, uh, it does so on Thursday afternoons typically, uh, and then the following week are the auctions. Um, there, there then is what's called the when issued bond that's uh, that that comes into being, and this is a, effectively a forward on the newly issued bond, and you can trade that, and then your your counterparty, whoever you trade it with, will give you a bond once it's issued. If you buy that, and then if you sell it, you have to um, you know buy a bond and give it to whoever your is on the other side of that trade. So we look very closely at that WI, and that that uh, that when issued bond or WI will move um, as the expectation for where the uh, the bond will uh, the bond or note will settle at the auction time. Um, and a lot of times going into auctions, you'll see uh, the market will move. Uh, let, let's say that treasury yields move higher one day. Let's say five-year treasuries move higher, and then the five-year WI will move higher. And then at one o'clock, the an auction will close. Sometimes it's 11:30, but usually one o'clock. And then once that that auction closes, um, the Treasury Department compiles all of the bids that go into that auction. Um, what's the random walk comes from is that it, let's say that that the five year is expected to come out at four and a half percent, at 4.5 percent exactly. If the uh, if demand is very strong, then maybe the auction will close below four and a half percent. Um, 
so so many times what you've seen in the past when demand is good is that if the market sells off going into an auction then you wind up having a pretty good demand and you wind up with with a pretty decent looking auction what's happened more recently is that you've had the market selling off going into an auction and then you've had relatively weak auctions where you've had the price uh, where you've had the yield set above what the market was expecting. Um, and, and a lot of those dynamics, I think, have to do all with sentiment. So, you know, are investors willing to buy bonds at these certain levels? So a lot of times if you uh, see a sell-off going into an auction, you'll say, okay, people will be like, okay, bonds are cheap now. Uh, I feel pretty comfortable purchasing bonds at these levels. Um, but then other times, and, and this is what you've seen in, in many of the auctions, not all of them, but many of the auctions in October, was the bar market was selling off going into those auctions and then continued to be relatively weak thereafter. Um, I, one major exception to that was the seven-year auction uh, the last week, which actually went reasonably well, as you know, uh, Will. Um, so Will actually does do a recap of what happened in all of these auctions uh, at the coupon auctions after the auction. So you can find those uh, if you follow us and subscribe to our research uh, on our website. So uh, with that, we're at time. Uh, I've been Ira Jersey, and Will Hoffman was with me as well. We appreciate you listening. We hope that you'll rate and subscribe us on whatever podcatcher you get. We do have a website on uh, the Bloomberg.com uh, webpage. Uh, you can find us on Apple and Spotify and uh, Google Play, as well as, uh, as BPod on the Bloomberg Terminal. Uh, if you'd like us to talk about any topics or you have any ideas for guests that you'd like us to have on, please hit us up on the Bloomberg Terminal. And until next time, be well.